Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today with Andrew and Spring answering your questions about sex, love, relationships, sexual health, pride, LGBT issues, Black Lives Matter. We're really here to talk to you about anything. It's Spring, we just started by talking, like, our first episodes of, like, how do women orgasm and what's a penis? And we really kind of morphed with our listeners over the years. Did we ever answer what's a penis? We never answered what's a penis. Nice try, though. <laughs> I mean, essentially, we've done a lot of the very basic sexuality questions, and our listeners just keep asking us these more and more complex questions. And I, I love it. And it's been really fun, this kind of voyage we've been on for the past is it almost four years now. Crazy. It's like three and a half. But yeah, <laughs> it has been a long time. And I think, you know, it is really fun um, exploring a range of questions. I kind of was worried, like, how many questions are we really going to get? And I remember thinking also like, oh, you know, maybe we'll do this a couple of years and we'll run out of questions. LOL. We will never run out of questions. I realized that. <laughs> but, but but please keep sending them in. Like We, ha- we have hundreds and hundreds that we'll eventually get to. Uh, we prioritize them, you know, like we've been talking about uh, the events going on in the world right now. But uh, keep sent- submitting your questions. And I mean, we started combining multiple questions into one to try to like get get, <laughs> get more. Through, yeah. Get through. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I really love the questions. And this month we've gotten a whole lot of questions. Uh, it was just four weeks ago where Spring and I got together and we're like, happy Pride, everybody. And Pride is the celebration. And it started with a riot. And oh, wait, we didn't talk about the riot ori- originally, right? We did talk a little bit about it. We a referenced the other podcasts where you could go listen to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but boy, has June changed directions, right? So we started out with that happy message of Pride. And that happy message of pride is still there. And I hope that you're still celebrating. I'm celebrating something every single day. But with that is this call for justice, right? We've had this nationwide cry for justice, uh, especially after the various events going on with George Floyd and Breonna um, Taylor. Taylor. Uh, But I mean, to me, they kind of all come together. Like, like this is our the point in the month where we're like we've been talking about pride, we've been talking about Black Lives Matter, we've been talking about interracial relationships, we've been talking about all these issues this month, and I think, uh, I mean, I think that we should answer a lot of the questions that we've had that kind of bring it up or wrap it up. There we go, wrap it up, um, wrap it up, wrap it up. Ha ha. There we go. Uh, but uh, the question that I want to answer today. Uh, thank you, listeners, for submitting it is, how, what can I do about it and how can I be an ally? And I think those are both really powerful questions. And I think like the way that we're going to answer today, what can I do about it? You can become an ally. How do you become an ally uh, is where we're going to go. Um, and ally is a word that's thrown around a lot. I have some stories that I'm going to tell a little bit later on. But Sprig, what is an ally? I mean, an ally is somebody who sticks up for other people. So like if, you know, you can imagine somebody else that might not have the ability to stand up for themselves because it might not be safe or because they don't have as much power in some way as you do. And then it's really important to be able to stand up for that person and to show 
anybody that doesn't have the privilege that you have, that you are supporting them and that you want them to have equity in how they experience the world. And what do you mean by equity? I hear people say equity and equality really frequently. They mean different things. So when you say you want to make sure that someone has equity, what do you mean? So the difference is that when um, we treat people equal, that means we're treating everyone the same. And the problem is that we don't live in an equal world. And so people might start off at a different place. So if somebody um, doesn't have all the advantages that you have, and you can imagine they're like at the first rung of a ladder and you're at the fifth rung and you give everyone one free step, then that doesn't help the people that started off much lower, right? So equality is giving every people, every person the same treatment. And the problem is that our world isn't set up in a fair way. So we want to give everybody the boost that they need to get to the same place. So that means that someone who's on the first rung needs five free steps and the other person might only need one free step and then they can all meet and they can be at the same place. And that's what equity is. And we've been talking about equity for the last three and a half years. If you go back and listen to our episodes, it comes up a lot. We've talked about uh, LGBT issues. We've talked about discrimination. We've talked about the Me Too movement. And all of these are issues around the idea of equity. Um, I think about it pretty frequently is like pulling a chair to the table. Um, when I think about being an ally, because I'm a white man, because I'm educated, because I have a professor title that comes with my name, I often get invited to speak or I get invited for my input at tables. And the way I think about allyship is sometimes saying, well, you know, some of these other voices don't have a chair or they don't get asked to the table because they're a woman, because they're a person of color, because of all of these other issues. So I invite them like, this is the voice that I want with me. Here's a chair at the table. And why don't you talk as well. Um, but allyship is actually a lot more complicated than that, right? Like you're going to be helping someone, you're going to be talking with somebody, but being an ally is more than just lip service. Um, being an ally is more than just posting something on social media. Sure, social media is a small piece of it, but being an ally means that you understand that there's somebody out there who has a burden and that you have decided that you're going to carry that burden with them, that you are now part of that struggle and you're going to try to help them with that burden. Um, and it's not easy, right? Like that shift from, you know, I'm going to share this on Facebook or I'm going to, you know, like something or share a post on Instagram or add something to my story. That's really easy, right? But that's not really what being an ally is, right? That's this little outward show. And and I mean, I think that we can talk a little bit more about that, too, because even though that's not enough, I do think that's important because there is this importance of showing outwardly um, that you believe in these causes and that you support them. And and yes, I think you need to do more than that. But that is, I think, an important step, right? Absolutely. So that visibility is important, but on its own, right? On its own, yeah. it means that you're really not taking someone's burden. It means that you're really not picking up that torch. You're not really there to help. Um, so when I was in college, Spring and I went to college together. Uh, when I was in college, there were a lot of death threats uh, against people of color and LGBT students at the university um, and Muslim students. Um, so there are these death threats going on. And the university administration wasn't really taking it very seriously. Uh, they 
weren't really acting on it. Students weren't getting punished. They weren't really investigating. Uh, and what we had to do is we had to have uh, the Black Caucus and the Muslim Alliance and then the group called Allies. It's kind of funny. Like the group mm-hmm. for LGBT students was called Allies at the time. Mm-hmm. And we all got together. We sat at the same table and we developed a plan and we got together and we backed each other up and we built this big collaboration. We did sleep-ins inside of the main university building. We did chain-ins outside of the president of the university's office. People threatened arrest and people got kind of roughhoused a little bit by the police. Nothing like what we're seeing now in the protests. Um, But I mean, for me, allyship was all of us getting together and recognizing that we all experienced, we were all experiencing different kinds of oppression. And if you're someone else's ally, you have to understand that you don't understand and you can never understand everything that they've been through, right? So if you are a straight person and you want to be an ally for the gay community, you have to understand that you don't, you'll never fully understand what they've experienced. Just like if you want to be an ally for people of color, you understand that they're going through discrimination, marginalization, that there's systemic racism. And listen to our last episode, we talk a lot more about it there, right? But you've never experienced those things. And you have to go into it with that mindset. Like, I'm here to help you. I can't speak for you. I don't understand the exact situation you're coming from. But this is a burden that I want to help with. So while you don't understand the struggle of groups that who aren't like you, right, you can activate your privilege to help them. And that's what Spring was talking about at the very beginning of our episode, right? Like, when you're, when you're working on being an ally, you have privileges other people might not. And you take your privileges and you activate them for those people. who don't. And I want to talk a little bit about that thing about, you know, trying to understand what people are going through. And like, it's very, you know, um, nice to try to want to understand and try to like empathize with what somebody is going through. But you also don't need to understand like you don't need to fully understand what someone's experience is to really empathize and to support them and so like it can actually really minimize people's experiences when you say that you understand and just that phrase can be um pretty upsetting to people for you to say like, oh, you know, I get it. Like I've been through this or to even compare it to other things like Andrew is saying, you know, comparing it to something you've been through. Um, Because you never can really fully understand someone else's life, no matter what. And you can never really fully understand what someone else has gone through, no matter how much they share with you. And so it's more about, you know, supporting them regardless of whether you fully understand and, and not using a phrase like that to just kind of shortcut through all of the uh, learning and work there is to do. Because I think that shortcut is used quite a lot that like, oh, I get it. I understand is kind of just saying, I'm not willing to really explore my own attitudes and beliefs. I get it. Yeah. And you don't get it. And we don't get it, right? Like I'm a gay man. I have faced all different kinds of oppression in my life. Spring is a woman. She's faced all different kinds of oppression in her life. And our friends uh, who are people of color have experienced a different set of oppressions and marginalizations over their lives. I don't understand what Spring has faced in her life. I've seen it externally, right? I've seen people catcall her. I've heard, like, I've seen the things that have happened. I can empathize with her, right? And I can tap into the oppression that I felt myself 
for being a gay man and the things that have happened in my life. But I still, you still never fully understand. And you have to go into it in that mindset, right? These people, people, people who are different than you have experienced different things than you. And you can empathize with them, right? You can like say like, yeah, like bad things have happened and I want to be there for you. But you can't say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, because you don't and we can't. All right. Well, we need to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to keep talking about what we can do to be allies. Welcome back, everybody. So this week, we're kind of wrapping up this month of Pride and Black Lives Matters by talking about what can I do to be an ally? So Spring, are you my ally? Always. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> yeah. I think that people, like sometimes people put a lot of, uh, like they make ally this mysterious, highfalutin, hard to understand sort of word. But if we think about it in our day to day lives, there are lots of times where we are allies for people. And sometimes it's safe allyship or it's someone we're close to. Um, but we kind of understand a lot of what we need to do anyway when we're being an ally for someone, right? It's that standing up and standing out and kind of putting yourself in harm's way and kind of protecting them and using your privilege. But we're talking much more explicitly today about being an ally for LGBT people and for being people or and for people of color. Um, And we've talked about some of the things that you can do, uh, like use your privilege to help them. So what does that look like? I think we should probably talk about a few practical examples. So how do you activate your privilege to help somebody? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really hard and it's really um, difficult to understand our privilege because we have it. (laughs) And that's what's so tricky about privilege is that when you have it, you don't know what it's like to not have it. And you don't know what the world is like for people that don't have that specific privilege. And it, and what, like what we were just talking about, it's so hard to understand that. And so like, there's this kind of first step that we really have to do. And like, it's a lot of educating ourselves about our own privileges and about these things that we have and what that means to have those privileges before we can even like start to use them. Right. Because if I don't know all the ways that I'm privileged, then how can I use them to help other people? Right. So it's very complicated to say like, um, I have a privilege of being white and I'm like, and if I just grow up in this world that is very racist and I'm conditioned through this world, like I might not know what that means whatsoever. Like I'm like, I've still had a hard life. So like, what does it mean that I have privilege? Like I can't conceptualize that. And it's a lot of education and it's a lot of reading of all these resources, you know, to say like, what does that privilege look like? Like, what are the specific things that I get from that privilege? And then I can start to see what it might be like for someone who doesn't have them. And I can start to use that privilege and activate it, right? I think one of the, a great example of privilege that we've been seeing over the past month um, during the various rallies against police brutality across the country is that white women have, you know, dressed well and they've walked to the front of the line and stood between police and protesters, right? Because one of the privileges that white women overwhelmingly have in the United States is that there's very little police brutality against them. Police are not likely to fire uh, rubber bullets or tear gas at white women, right? So their privilege 
they were just standing there protesting, but they moved to the front of the line. And like, it's a physical, visual kind of privilege that worked in a lot of the protests, right? Because police officers are less likely to attack uh, with with any of the various means that they've been doing it, white women. So white women are able to activate that privilege and help defend other protesters. Um, and, and I mean, so like if these women didn't know that like they were less likely to be attacked or shot at or whatever, then they couldn't have used that to their advantage. Right. So that's also this example of like understanding what does my specific privilege look like and then how can I use it? Another really easy example is that men are much less, much less likely to be victims of sexual assault or rape, um, which is why uh, if you're a man, um, most of the time, you're pretty safe walking home alone at night. Even if you're over 21 and you've had a few drinks at a bar or a party and you walk home, you're relatively safe. But we know women are not relatively safe. So I've activated my male privilege hundreds of times by walking female friends home from bars or clubs or restaurants or anywhere anywhere else. Um, when Spring and I were in college together, I even walked Spring home multiple times. Like Even if we were just in our office late at night, I wanted to make sure she was safe. Right. That's activating. First of all, male, male privilege. We weren't we weren't often in, in our office late at night, but good try. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we were out late at night a lot, but not at work. <laughs> as well as other fun places. Um, no, but I mean, but the thing is, I was able to say like, oh, my gosh, I am much more safe in these situations. And that is a privilege that I have by being white and by being male and I could activate that privilege and I could help and make sure spring who doesn't have that privilege because she's female get home safely. Right. And we have these privileges until we think about there's a really great Buzzfeed series of videos and quizzes that you can take that help you figure out your different kinds of privilege too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, there are a lot of resources right now, especially that are easily available to start to read about this. And I mean, it's, it's so conditioned in us that it becomes hard to see if you, especially if you are white. And when we're specifically talking about uh, these racial privileges and, you know, it's things, it's little things like just being able to like know that when you turn on television or watch a movie, like you're most often seeing people like you represented and it's like so you actually feel like you belong and you feel like part of the society you know and it's little things like when you learn in history books at school about the history of America you're learning about people like you and you're learning about what white people have done and like it's just it's like it's every little thing and that's why it becomes hard for people to see or to really understand sometimes because it's everything it's everywhere and like and just like it's like you take it for granted that you are this like uh, part of society that has so much privilege and you and it becomes so hard to see and so I I love this idea of using privilege. And I think, you know, tangibly, it gets really difficult because you have to understand all of the ways in which you're privileged first before you can really use them effectively. When someone says all lives matter to me, most of the time I look at them 
And I take a step back saying they are saying this from a point of privilege where they've never really had to think about that other people face different challenges, more difficult challenges, more brutal challenges, more marginalization. And until they have that conversation or that realization that Spring's talking about, all lives matter makes sense to them. Now, when you do some real searching, you're like, oh my gosh, I live in a different world or I have all of these advantages. All of a sudden you realize that all lives matter in a perfect world, except we need to be really focusing on Black Lives Matter. And that's really what allyship is. It's shedding that all lives matter mentality and saying, hold on, my life already matters. And now I have to make sure that I get other people's lives to matter as well. Yeah. I think there's something really important that I want to bring up right now about allyship right now. And it's happened to me throughout my life a lot. Um, So I'm very active on marches and justice and making sure that women and people of color and LGBT people and people with disabilities are treated well, working towards equity. Um, And being an ally is exhausting. It is really hard, soul-searching work, right? But the group that you're being an ally for is more exhausted and they've had to put up with more for often their entire lives. It is not their job to educate you. It is not their job to answer your questions. It is your job to show up and help in any way that they want you to help. It is not like you can't show up and expect to make friends. You can't show up and expect someone to explain it to you. It is your job before you go to an event. It is your job before you pop up and say like, you know, I'm an ally and I want to do something. Tell me more about it. No. And there's a million (laughs) resources. You need to go read on it on your own or get a book, join a book club. We're going to have a shout out at the very end of the episode where we're going to give you some really great tips on things that you can do to educate yourself. Um, it's not it's not their job. Like, So I'm a gay person. I'll talk about my personal experience here. My whole life, people are constantly asking me gay questions about gay everything all the time. Like I'm the number one gay expert. I am a lot of people's only gay friend. And I mean, I'm happy to answer those questions, but especially at times when there's major trauma going on in the world, right? It's not the time to go up and take more of that person's energy or to take my energy, right? So educate yourself. And like Spring and I have been saying over the past three weeks, that there's a lot of resources that are available out there for you. So just do some reading ahead of time. And then if you have questions, you know, like find an appropriate time and space or email them to us. and We'll keep talking about them on our show. (laughs) Let's see. Um, there's a couple other things that I wanted to say. Uh, there's, there's an analogy that I can make about being an ally, right? So imagine that you're making a movie. And if you're an ally, what is your job in making the movie? Right? You're not the main actor. You're not the supporting actor or actress, right? You're not the person who's filming it, right? You're not any of the major roles. You might be an extra whose name doesn't appear in the credits, right? But you're there and you're visible and the movie wouldn't work without you, right? Maybe you're the person who's supplying food. Maybe you're the runner, right? But it is not your job to be in the spotlight if you're an ally. It is not your job to have the megaphone, right? You pass that megaphone to a member of the group that you're being an ally to because your job as an ally is to amplify voices that aren't heard. It is to support those voices. And it's really hard in our culture, right? Our culture is very me-centric. Look at proliferation of Facebook and Instagram where people post thousands of photo retou- their fo- photos that are so retouched they don't even look like themselves, right? Like, it's a very, well, what about me? And look at me and look at me being a part of it. 
Being an ally is the opposite of all of that. It is not about you. You can't make it about you. It's not the oppression Olympics where you get to say, well, I'm oppressed in these other... No, you have to cut yourself off at that point. It all has to be, I'm here to listen, to actively listen, and I'm here to do what I can to use my privilege to support the cause. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make this about me. I'm not here just to take a picture of myself at the rally and post it on Instagram and be done with it, right? That's not what it is. And one of these things that you were talking about is like another um, problem that's been identified in challenging racism. You were talking about how individualistic our society is. And, you know, that's one of the problems in actually being able to see the racism in our country because we say like, oh, I am not a bad person. I'm not doing anything mean to these people. I'm not treating them differently. So... I am not part of the problem, but that's part of the problem that racism is so systemic and it's through our whole society that everybody needs to learn about it and then step up and be an ally. And so this individualism in our society, like, poses a real threat to being able to really fully um, combat racism. And so, you know, I think that's really interesting that you brought that up and like, how can we think about this as this bigger issue and like, and then, and still work at a personal level because it isn't an individual problem, but as individuals, we can still make a difference. Absolutely. I think one of the hardest lessons for me about like what I can do in this individualistic society and like, it's not me. I'm not one of them. Like I'm not racist. I don't do these things, but I live in a society where I've benefited from racist systems my whole life. And that's what we're really starting to talk about. Like even like if you are not racist, if you've been fighting your whole life and you're a white person to help people of color, you've still benefited from a system that's inherently racist. And that and that's really hard for a lot of people to admit. And yeah. the thing is, we're not saying like you didn't earn it and you didn't work hard for it, but you had a head start, you had some extra steps people helped you, hands pulled you through the door, like all of those things were happening that sometimes other people don't get. Yeah. All right. Anything else that we need to say about being an ally? It's hard. Um, It's worth it. It's totally worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think that the other thing I just want to talk about is um, not being afraid to do something like you can't be afraid of doing it wrong. Like um, I know a lot of people have been Um, talking to me about like wanting to make a post about something or like wanting to like speak up for Black Lives Matter, but feeling nervous that they would say something wrong or not do it exactly right. And so then they weren't saying anything. And I'm talking to them and I know they really care about this, but they're letting that fear stop them. And the problem is that, you know, then that silence is part of the like agreeing with, you know, the racism. Like if you are quiet on it, then you are part of that systemic problem. And so it does require all of us to be allies and it requires us all to be active and loud allies. And, and if you have some fear around that, yeah, like just get over it. Like just start doing little steps, start doing little things, like start just reposting things that you see other people posting and like start to work up to it because they're, 
you're going to need to like build some of that resilience and being an ally because it is, if you've never done that before and you've never like had to be an ally or experimented with that. Yeah. Like it can be a little bit scary and that's okay. Talk to other people, talk to people that you see posting a lot of stuff and ask them like, where are you getting this? Or like, how do you have the courage to do that? And like start to even just ask people about their experiences and being an ally so that you can do a better job of that and you can start to get over some of those fears. You're going to make so many mistakes along the way. And this goes back to you don't understand other people's context. You don't know what's going on. Spring and I had some conversations about our social media. Should we do the blackout? Should we not do the blackout? We need to do something. We need to be visible. We need to lift black voices. Oh, no, we can't do the blackout. People got in trouble for the black... It's fine, right? But you have to go into it with a positive mindset where you're trying to make change and you have to acknowledge when you're wrong. If you're really nervous, just make it part of the post saying, I really care about this. I want to do the right thing. I think this is the right thing. If it's not, let me know, right? Like you can make that part of your overall process. But you're going to make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be wrong as long as you admit that you're wrong. This is the important part. Like making mistakes is fine. But then you also have to be like, oops, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to. And I've corrected it. And here's my next social media post that addresses the mistake that I made. Yeah. I mean, that's it's and it's I mean, once again, Americans are told we're we're not wrong. Right. We have to be right at all instances. (laughs) I think that's actually most people, not just Americans. But uh Part of, about, part of being an ally is that growth mindset where, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes and yeah, I'm going to apologize for those mistakes and yeah, I'm going to be a better person and I'm going to keep working, right? And allyship isn't just a weekend. It's not just a, one post on social media. That's a start. It's a lifelong voyage where you say, this is a burden that I'm going to shoulder because I care about making the world a better place. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about being an ally today? Just- spring uh i don't think so i think i'm ready for my shout out so uh today we have a lovely shout out so spring who are we shouting out and we're shouting out daybreaker which is um if you don't know a morning dance party community and um i've been a part of this community for quite a long time and i love them but why i'm specifically talking about them today is they have been doing an amazing job of helping um elevate allies um, and helping educate and like give people some power and being an ally in the Black Lives Matter um, movement right now. And so their whole um, thing, their whole, you know, stick is a uh, stick. Do you have to say stick? Uh, I, I hate that word. Uh, their whole thing is that they uh, create community and um, they're all about creating um, positive community. And so they have these really early morning dance parties all over the world. They're international. They're, in, um, I think, something like 31 countries or something now and um and their dance parties uh are really fun enlivening like joyful events and they have been doing them online throughout uh coronavirus and um now they've started um a book club that is 
currently reading How to Be Anti-Racist, and they are um, doing a really, really good job of having engaged, meaningful conversations with large groups of people and really um, helping people navigate and understand, you know, how to be an ally. And I think um, it's amazing to see an organization that, you know, that wasn't their primary uh, focus or goal really step up because they have a huge platform and uh, play an important part in this in this moment in history right now. So I just love that community and I just want to recommend um, following them, getting involved with them. Even if you don't want to go to a dance party, they're doing great um, anti-racism and stuff. So check them out. It's awesome. Um, we'll put the, their information in the show notes and I'm sure they'll show up on our social media feed this week as well. Yeah. So uh, we're at the end of our show. Uh, Let's remind people about the contest. Oh my gosh. So we have a contest that's been going on. Um, and all you have to do for our contest, and there's a whole bunch of prizes you can win. You can win a vibrator from uh, sweettoys.vibes or sweet sweetvibes.toys. Um, and a great big condom and lube goodie bag. And all you have to do is uh, show yourself doing anything Pride related or anything uh, Black Lives Matter related and uh, tag us in that post and you are entered into the contest. And then at the very end of the month, we're going to choose our winners. So all you have to do is link us. We're at the sex wrap. Uh, that's wrap the W on Instagram. Yeah. So the tip, we're at the tip, just the tip, the very end of our show. Do you have a, just the tip for today, spring? Just the tip. I mean, just the tip for me is, um, just make one small step. Just do something. I don't, I'm, that might have even been my tip last week. I'm not sure. Uh, but like, even if you're afraid, just take one small step. Do something you haven't done yet. Read something, post something, do one small thing. Start. Mine is about living in a life that's full of empathy. Uh, and by empathy, I mean feeling with people and listening to people. And when you feel with and you listen to, you're not trying to make them feel better, right? We as a society, we are constantly trying to be like, someone tells you something's bad and you're like, oh, well, what about this? Or at least this. And I want everybody to just live an empathic life where you sit and you listen and you feel with that other person. And instead of trying to make it better, you just let them know that you're there for them and that you've listened to them and then ask them if there's something that you can do. So that's what I want people to do, like homework assignment this week. Mm. Like ask somebody what you can do. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions uh, about this show or any other questions about sex or relationships or sexual health or anything else at all, um, you can let us know. Uh, you can email uh, email your questions to us with a sexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413IRAPID and you can send us a DM on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.